I want to kind of explore like, are we depressed? <laughs> like we might be depressed. I'm not sure. So I want to talk about it, but yeah. Yeah. That's what I want to do. I want to get to the I bottom think of this. That, I think that's a great idea. And I think that, um, it's funny, like I was going through the same text thread. I was like, oh, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> What's happening to us? So, okay. Let's start with the text thread. L let us begin. Let's begin now. to this question of are we depressed was this uh, text exchange between the two of us and I believe mm -hmm. this occurred on Wednesday so Wednesday yes. at 12.54pm <laughs> Lauren you texted me hey how are you doing I'm in a state of continuous exhaustion is that normal <laughs> and then I replied no that's not normal but literally nothing <laughs> is normal right now. So technically maybe it is normal dot, dot, dot. And then additionally, not waiting for you to respond to that. I said, all I want is cake and naps. And you laughed at and loved each of those texts respectively. And then we just stopped texting about it. <laughs> we just stopped texting about so, it. And, the reason I think that is, is because the level mm -hmm. after admitting that is just crying. Yeah. And I don't know about you, but I was at work. I was too. Exactly. Yeah. I was like, whoa. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. And she nailed it on the head. Like, <laughs> real good. <laughs> I was like, okay, well, there we go. I mean, I'm not kidding. And your response was perfect. It literally was perfect. I was okay, like, good. Well, I just felt like I, w I was totally, sometimes I just feel like I'm spinning out of control. It's crazy. Yeah. I'm like, what am I doing to myself? Like, what's happening? Yeah. And yeah, I've, uh, yeah. I don't know. I just like every week I've had this like really weird upset stomach, which mm. is not the norm for me. And I'm not eating crap that I don't normally eat, you know, because oh sometimes if you like reach out of your food zone and you're like, yeah, this is a great idea. I'm going to order from this Chinese food restaurant that I've never eaten at before yeah. and just dive in. Yeah. No, I highly recommend that. I haven't. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> But I haven't done that. And I'm like, even last night, it's like, oh my God, I'm just, ah, I'm feeling so sick. Mm. And then I'm like, maybe it's not that, you know, because I really, I get it. I, I think that, um, your mood plays a lot in the way your gut health is. Mm -hmm. and 
I mean, I can tell you 100%, like anytime I've been overly stressed and no matter what I've put in my mouth, my gut tells me that I'm really stressed. Um, and I think probably depression goes with that too. It does. Mm-hmm. And the only reason I can say that definitively is because I literally just looked it up. So, really? yeah, yeah. <laughs> I did some uh, internet research, air quotes around that. <laughs> Although I'll say, so here, here's the kind of light research that I've done because I've heard anecdotally that women who are dealing with breast cancer are at, at an increased rate for developing these things like depression and anxiety. But I just wasn't, mm-hmm. I thought, you know, I've never actually definitively seen that. I've never read a study that, that definitively says that. So Mm -hmm. I looked and so there are different kinds of studies and we've, I think we've talked about on the show before about what to trust as far as in your research and what not to, but I'll just say that a great literature article to look for is something that's called like a meta analysis or a meta review or a systematic review. Any kind of review Mm -hmm. means that the researchers in that article took a bunch of articles. They did all the sourcing for you and then they pulled it together. They read all the articles and they're giving you like a synopsis. So the Journal of the National Cancer Institute, which is a .org, so, or no, it's a .gov. So I feel like you can trust them. Um, They did a Mm -hmm. systematic review of the literature on breast cancer survivors and these kind of psychosocial implications and this literature review was done in 2018 and lots and lots of numbers and words later essentially the conclusion was that survivors of breast cancer have higher rates of depression higher rates of anxiety significantly increased symptoms and frequency of neurocognizant neurocognitive you know, I wrote neurocognitive, and I think I made up a new word there. Because uh, that's not a word. But <laughs> Google Sheets is not telling me it's not a word. So I'm going to use it. So they have significantly okay. increased symptoms and frequency. <laughs> I, I think it's neurocognitive. I believe that. Yeah, I'm going to say neurocognitive. Neurocognitive dysfunction. Yeah. That it, neurocognitive dif- dysfunction is inclusive of of sexual dysfunction sleep disturbance Mm. stress-related disorders such as ptsd suicide somatization bipolar and ocd so basically wow i know that is a lot of stuff that is a lot of very scary words that we're at an increased risk for And the conclusion was that there is compelling evidence, and they use the phrase compelling evidence, and if you're using that in a research article, then it's for real, that women's shit gets super fucked up after breast cancer in comparison to the fucked upness of women's shit without breast cancer. I'm paraphrasing. That's a paraphrase. I really appreciate that. The paraphrase is good. Yeah. Our shit gets fucked up. I believe it. So, you know, the first... Was it the first or second year that I went to 
this i mean i mean it's so bizarre um because mm-hmm. so you know the paddle boarding event that we did with um bcrc was that bcr and, okay so that was breast uh, cancer when- resource center is that what it was uh-huh okay yeah okay. i couldn't yeah. remember and i feel bad not tagging uh, them in that um, post oh i'm learning all gotcha. about instagram etiquette because i don't know anything about it <laughs> i'll get better anyway Neither do continue. I. that was an awesome time and i'm so glad you talked me into doing paddle boarding because i at that time my worst fear in the world was falling into ladybird lake and developing some kind of weird amoeba infection <laughs> that's like funny to me now mm-hmm. anyway paddle boarding i know it's crazy weird mm. um yes so the i can't remember if it was it must have been the second year I went. I don't remember. It doesn't really matter. Um, I met a group of women there, and um, they're all different ages. And we were just, I mean, the good thing is, is like when you go to events like this, you find some of the pink ribbon cheerleaders, of course. Mm-hmm. And then you also find some just regular gals like we are yeah and um we were sharing some experiences and some of the ladies that were a little further along than i was at that point um oh yeah this was the first year because i was bald as hell oh (laughs) this one great yeah Mm -hmm. (laughs) so i wasn't Um, at this one mm -mm. um So she was a whole group of women were talking about depression and, you know, that um, a big part of what they're going through. One of the ladies had just celebrated her last year. She was had gone 10 years taking tamoxifen Um, and she celebrated her last year and she said, you know, all through it she experienced almost every single one of the side effects and depression being one of them. Mm. And it was so crazy to hear other people in different phases of their recovery pipe up about um, going through at least a a part of their recovery in, in some sort of depression. And, you know, I could see this so clearly, even just like, even right after chemo, because remember we talked about how anticlimactic that is yes it's such a letdown in a way and then sort of like it's so funny because you just like yeah you build up and you're like oh i'm almost done i'm almost done and then you're done and then you're like uh yay yay. (laughs) (laughs) yeah Yeah. I, i mean and it's funny because you don't really know what to expect you're just like really excited about it being done but at the same time there's just a continuation of care that has to happen and then um you know once you're cured well i don't say cure but healed or or through a difficult part then it's sort of like oh well (laughs) and we continue yeah just move on yeah um yeah, there's there's no parade. It's definitely a hard piece to go through. It is. So I think to your point, there's a lot of focus 
on the mental game that you have to play throughout treatment. So while you're getting chemo, while you're mm -hmm. getting surgery, going through surgery, reconstruction, radiation, all of that. And then when that stops, it's like people, generally speaking, I think just write it off. They're like, well, she's done with that. And they'll say that to you, like, I'm so glad that that's, you know, finished. And I think that carries over into the professional world, even medical professionals, even oncology, where mm -hmm. there's there seems to be limited focus on the lasting effects of women who have been, you know, cured of breast mm -hmm. cancer. And these effects, to me, are far-reaching, even beyond depression, anxiety, you know, mm -hmm. continual thoughts that I'm going to wake up one morning and, you know discover I have brain mets or bone mets. Bone mets is my new thing. Like I, now I'm just seriously fixated on it. Uh, <laughs> but I just, <laughs> there's not a lot of studies that I can even find that even this meta study, you know, and, and a lot of times in a meta study, there, there are hundreds of articles. This systematic review that I read, 38 articles. That's how many that they used and oh, they gleaned wow. a lot more than that. But as a researcher, I guess you eliminate a lot of articles. Like everything has to be very vetted in order to be included in your study, but for only 38 articles to be included. And it's not specific to young people is the other thing, nothing against women, mm -hmm. you know, postmenopausal women who get breast cancer. But I do think that there is something unique about being a premenopausal woman who gets breast cancer, especially a hormone positive breast cancer. And then like you and I are taking hormone replacement, which we know for a fact changes the chemistry in our bodies and puts us at an increased risk for all of these mental challenges, as well as the very physical symptoms that we have that are disruptive mentally to our life. I don't sleep through the night anymore. And I don't sleep through the night because I'm having a hot flash three to four times a night. Yeah. You know, that's what it's like having an infant. Oh God, I've only heard about that. And it sounds yeah. terrifying. Yeah. Although you can't go right back to sleep either. So with yeah, either one, they need so things it's, from you. It's <laughs> <laughs> okay, this is the only thing yeah. that I can compare this to. I I think when I was, I think I was 14 or 15, because we always had a lot of cats. I grew up on like kind of a farm, not really a working farm, but we had two acres. There were barns, there were cats and feral animals. I don't know, kind of like a farmette, I guess. Anyway, we had a bazillion cats. And when cats have a litter of kittens... There's usually one kitten who's the runt that the mom will just like, she'll push to the side of the box or the side of the, you know, and sometimes they try to bury them. Anyway, they just, it's just the runt and it's kind of for survival of all the kittens that they just, they're like, this one's not going to survive, so I'm not going to bond with it or anything. Well, I would always try to save the runt. And sometimes when the, the mom had the litter and I didn't find them fast enough, the runt would always, already be gone. But I found oh, wow. this, this runt kitten this one time 
and the mommy had buried it under some straw and I saw the straw like being kind of pushed up and so it wasn't you know buried quite very far anyway I pulled it out and it's like your responsibility to care for this runt because the the mama kitten is not going to feed it so I don't know if I just had an asshole cat or if this is like a normal thing I've actually never looked into that anyway I took this kitten I inside really know. <laughs> I know you have to bottle <laughs> feed it we had a little bottle for these runt kittens and every oh. like two hours you got to feed this kitty and so mm -hmm. that kitten slept in a box right next to my bed and would wake me up like every couple of hours, every two to three hours, and I would need to bottle feed it. And I I got so used to the sound of its little like mewing. It was a very quiet, but like I would I would wake up and feed the kitten and like this was just the thing that I did. And then it died because they almost always die. I think I had one that I was able to save, but they almost always die. And that's really hard. But even after they die, like I would still wake up like hearing that little kitten, like mewing for, for a little bottle. This got really sad really fast. Um, wow. I guess the, the so, yes. yeah. <laughs> uh, wake, waking up every few hours to have a hot flash, just like bottle feeding a baby kitten. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. That's all I was trying to say. Just so much less rewarding and just feels like the kitten died every time. Um, so after reading this systematic review, I decided to look up the symptoms of depression. I'm going to focus on depression because I think collectively as a world, we're all experiencing some level of anxiety related to this global pandemic that we are living through. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, I can only imagine that's amplified for a number of reasons for people having to experience breast cancer at this time, especially if you're going through treatment, that is just, ah, there's like a level of injustice there, like inhumanity even that you would have to also get chemo right now. But, oh, you know, I, I thought about that the other day as yeah. you're, if you take that time to look it up, but I thought I, I thought about having, um, services, you know, during this pandemic and although I could see how that could be stressful, yeah. but the fact of the matter that there's actually fewer people that are, you're going to be physically around. Yeah. You probably have a better chance at staying healthy than maybe if it wasn't during this time. Okay. Yes. And you know what else? You know what I mean? Yes, I think so. Because you know what else I've been thinking about? I've been thinking about why... Like, I think the idea of quarantining and the idea of masks and the idea of avoiding people, places, and things is is very stressful and anxiety-riddled for a lot of us. But I, I began to think, like, I'm having an especially hard time with this, which could just be a thought distortion. But I think mm -hmm. it's because it's very triggering. I think back to when... Like, think back to when you were getting chemo. I think back to when, you, when I was getting chemo. I wasn't allowed around people. I was hyper vigilant about hand hygiene and staying physically, like, away from people. Like, mm 
social distancing mm-hmm. before I knew that that was a term. Also, I couldn't eat out. I couldn't go anywhere. It it feels like that again. And even though I know it's not that, it's very reminiscent of that time where I was terrified to even order food to come to our house was like a non sequitur. Like, you know, I was just going to shit my brains out if we got anything that I wasn't completely (laughs) familiar with. And even then I still did, but this is the unfairness of this hits me in I'm yeah. going to say in a unique way. It hits all of us in a unique way. But the uniqueness of it to me is that it reminds me of when I was getting chemo. And it's taking something away from me that I got back and was like just a triumph for me to have back. The The, the mm-hmm. option to go out to eat again was huge for me because it's social and it's it's comforting to me. And now it's been taken away again and it just... There, it's like it's a, there. I'm like returning to a really weird pathway that I created in my brain when I was getting chemo, and now I'm back there. And even though it's not chemo, and I'm not shitting my brains out, it's like it's just that part of my brain is still very raw. So yeah, I think that plays into it totally. And anyone who's had chemo or has an you know suppressed immune system for any reason. This is an especially scary time. Yeah. For sure. People need to wear their goddamn masks so we can get rid of this thing. Thank you. Good night. <laughs> um, so, I looked up the symptoms of depression and I thought we should go through them. Because I would really just like to figure this out here and now. So that by Tuesday when I see my therapist next on Zoom, uh, that I can tell him whether or not I'm depressed. Also, my oncologist might be interested. Okay, so symptoms. And I pulled the this list of symptoms from the National Institute of Mental Health, which is also a .gov. Oh, good. Yeah, reputable place. So no Marie Claire articles here. No shade, but, you know, just, like, get it from a good source. Anyway, first symptom listed. Persistent, sad anxious or empty mood okay i'm gonna say yep to this and the reason i say that is i feel like every emotion i have these days is rooted in sadness like whatever layer Mm. i put on top of this like seven layer emotional dip the bottom layer is sadness And I think that explains why all the random ass crying I've been doing. Oh, yeah. Just like at nothing. At nothing. I don't get Mm. it. I've been there. Are you having persistent sadness, anxiety, or empty mood? Um... I don't think so. I mean, I would say, I would say anxiety, but I think that's more just based on what's going on around us. Mm-hmm. I feel like my head is always like going a hundred miles an hour and I'm like, maybe oh. it's just mine's more stress related. That does sound stress. That's, that sounds really stress related. 
Okay, you mm-hmm. know what else we should do? I Part of anxiety is putting everything in an absolute, like believing there's only this one option or this one other option. So let's like, let's put everything on a spectrum. Like let's do a zero to 10 scale. I would say <laughs> this symptom, persistent, sad, anxious, or empty mood for me is like a seven. So it's, it's not a 10. We're not at a 10, but it's not a, it's not a normal, like I would put like, I could do a five. I could do a five and and be okay, but I'm like at a seven, I would say for this one. Okay. Um, the second one is feelings of hopelessness or pessimism, which I just generally feel like is unfair because I feel like I'm a pessimist just baseline. And especially now, <laughs> like right now, I just feel like we're all fucked. <laughs> so I'm going to put me at a seven on this one too. <laughs> I love that. I mean, that's not really fair, especially if that's sort of like, you know, that's just part of who you are. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't think that's a real fair. Okay. I think I got to dial it down. Um, I mean, I am the forever hopeful, but. You are. I think, yeah, but I think that also has something to do with my offspring. So we'll just go from oh. there. So does having kids make you a more hopeful person? Because is it because they're so hopeful? Yes, I think that when, at least for me, because my kids will say, like, you know, if mom, if you could change one thing in the world, what would you change? Your kids and, ask you that? Yeah. And, you know, I'll, I'll think real hard and, and their quick answer is like, like, oh, I would make sure all of our oceans clean. Oh, you my know? Or I would have never, yeah, I, or I was like, I would have never invented uh, I would I would wish that um, cigarettes and smoking was never invented. He was like, because people just get cancer and die, and that's horrible. Oh my! And I'm like, God. I mean, I was just like, but it it makes me think like you know he wants to help and he wants to make the not just his little world good. He wants to make the whole world good, and I'm like, wow. So yes, I think that's a wow. part of it, at least for me. That's just, that's just my personal experience. It may not be everybody's. Um, I don't know if every, I have a very like, like broad minded child, my oldest, especially. Yeah. And he's, he's just very like, like he lives from his heart, you know, and he's, he sees if things or people are hurting or you know wrong with the world and he like wants to make it better so yeah i i guess that that is for me i think you need to start grooming him to run for office yeah (laughs) i don't know how you do that but i'm sure you can find out has something to do with the suit and tie i think yeah he's gonna have to start dressing in a suit and tie now yeah Exactly. Start getting that, uh, yeah, exactly. That nominee reel going. 
Okay. And talk with his hands. Talk with his fingers together. You know, don't point for sure. Yeah, you're doing. Yep, that's exactly it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This. This. Mm-hmm. And I mm-hmm. want to get my point across. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, I'll vote for him. I like okay. this kid. Actually, maybe I just need to talk to your son for a while. He could probably help me out. Uh, just think about it. He needs his own podcast. <laughs> the world's going to be yeah. all right. By Ronnie. Uh-huh. <laughs> the next symptom is just described as irritability. And I've got to say, I definitely have that. I hate everybody. Oh. Yeah. You know, I'm... Ah, uh, yeah, that, I, I mean, but that's kind of like where we're at right now. Like mm-hmm. the way, uh, I don't think that's abnormal for the situation that we're in. Really? I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't think that that's abnormal because, you know, and I also think that part of what plays a role in that is your your knowledge as um in healthcare and mm. you know how to how to keep people safe and clean and not clean but like um like uh, how not to spread germs <laughs> and I, what is that and term? i'm sure that well i don't know, you know what i mean though like to, yeah but but i think that that's kind of yeah new to the non-healthcare worker. And I don't mean like people don't clean their homes. I'm, I don't mean that at all. But you're just talking about like basic epidemiology, basic kind of like germ hygiene. Right. And, and the extent that you have to learn about it in the medical field Mm -hmm. and being like working there the extent is much further than, you know, um, buying a new cleaner for your counters at home. Mm. Like, you know, because you have to protect yourself against, you know, viruses and things that the normal public wouldn't normally in a normal non COVID situation have to really like be extremely concerned about. So I could see an irritability, like, like, ah, now all these people have to learn how to do this and that being really hard, but also like, why can't you learn? <laughs> well, and Oh God, I try to remember. So in my extreme irritability, which again, I, I kind of just apply it way too broadly. And a lot of times it's me seeing something and then projecting my own idea of what that means onto that other person. And I don't know that person and I don't know their motives. And so I could really stop doing that anytime. But again, as I've said multiple times uh, on this show, I'm not a great person. So, but I think generally also lending to this is just the, the swath of misinformation that is being perpetuated by, by positions that we look to as a nation. And Mm -hmm. it is really outside of all of the horrible things that that is specifically as it refers to this pandemic, 
it's so defeating when I see it every day, when I see evidence of the misinformation every day, when I see patients who are dying, you know? Yeah. And it's not just that, like, I, I'm glad that we're very upfront with the death toll because it's very, it's very meaningful. And I feel like this is where kind of breast cancer incorporated misses the mark is if you asked me what the death toll this year for women with breast cancer is, I couldn't tell you. Cause that's mm-hmm. not something we put up front. Yeah. I think that they really push the survivor thing. Yes. Mm-hmm. And great, you know, I mean, that's a, a much more palatable narrative and all the euphemisms about our breasts are, are a lot more fun than I guess just saying breasts, which is what they are, you know, with the tatas and the whatnots and the have yous and the et cetera, et cetera. Like, I don't, but euphemism in general and the promotion of talking in euphemisms when it comes to the human body is part of what enables people to spread all of this misinformation. It's it's part of like not the non being non-specific about things. And then in a global mm-hmm. pandemic when we don't teach the nation as medical professionals and I'm I'll take ownership in this too. When we don't regularly teach the population that understanding your body and understanding how infectious diseases spread is like an important part of being a human. And then a pandemic happens and we expect everyone to be experts and we expect them to know where to go to get this information. And we expect them to understand that science changes rapidly because to a lay person, it looks like misinformation. It looks like, Oh, they don't even know anything because a month ago they were telling us not to wear masks and now we are and like things change. And so people Mm -hmm. kind of see that as evidence that science doesn't work when it's actually the evidence that science does work because we're more interested in what the truth is and what the actual science is than seeming like we're right. We're going to not going to stick with something just because it was our first answer or it was the best we had at the time, we're going to correct ourselves over and over and over again. And that is just science. That makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. And you're right. There's a lot of misinformation. And I think that it's unfortunate that so much has been um, thrown out there Mm -hmm. that, that isn't valid and people don't know the difference. You know, they they don't don't. know the difference. And as much as we tell them it's your responsibility to wade through this, again, we don't train people to do that. Even this article that I was able to access, it's because I used a search engine that I have access to through my job as Mm -hmm. a nurse. Mm -hmm. It's, It's quite possible that you can get this article without that, but I've been trained to find reputable places to go. And it may be a bit much to expect every person to understand how to do that. You know, they're just going to their regular sources of news and information. And if that Mm -hmm. regular source is not something that's participating in, I guess, any level of integrity, (laughs) then 
or if it's not current or just not current exactly yeah whether Mm -hmm. it's willful or not so i guess all Mm -hmm. of that to say when i see something someone not wearing a mask instead of projecting onto them this idea that they're just some kind of brazen idiot or some like uh, conspiracy theorist i think oh you know what they maybe they forgot Maybe they're walking to go get it. Maybe, you know, like, I'm really trying to have some measure of empathy because I don't, at my core, like, I don't feel that right now. I just feel irritable and I feel angry a lot of the time. So, and underneath of that anger is just sadness, but it's easier to be angry because there's some energy there. I don't find any energy in the sadness. Right. I just find a feeling. I basically find a fetal position. That's it. That's like the whole thing. So, you know, good times. Uh, The next symptom is feelings of guilt or worthlessness or helplessness. Ooh. Yeah. Now we're getting down into the yeah the good stuff i'm just i so i have been there yeah but i am not currently there i would say i'm it i'm in it for the guilt yeah i feel guilty a lot and i i felt guilty a lot when i was going through treatment as well mm-hmm. i felt guilty for being sick i felt guilty for not being a great boss not being a great member of a team, not being a great friend, not, I don't know. I just felt so dependent on others and I felt guilty about that. I felt mm-hmm. guilty about not working yeah. out while I was getting chemo. <laughs> while I was getting fucking chemo, I felt guilty. <laughs> You do know that that's kind of funny. Yes, I know. <laughs> but I I can, like, look back. Like, I wrote a whole, like, three pages about it. Because I was, you know, I was doing, like, journaling the whole time. I know. And I was writing the whole time because I thought, I'm going to forget how this feels. I'm going to forget what I'm going I'm through. sorry for laughing. No, please laugh, actually. <laughs> that feels better than anything else. But I just, I unearthed it the other day and I was like, because I, I've begun to feel guilty again. Like, yeah. so at work, I'm, I mitigate my hours because I still don't have an immune system and that kind of places me potentially at an increased risk if I were to get an advantageous infection or I may not respond well my body may not respond well because I have a lowered immunity I'm immunosuppressed if I were to get COVID Mm -hmm. and yet I work in a hospital and we have many many COVID patients they're not on my unit Mm -hmm. but it's just the the nature of of what I do and I love what I do and this Mm -hmm. is why I do it because when people get sick I want to make sure they're being cared for like 
That's kind of fundamentally what nursing is. But I mitigate mm-hmm. my hours. If I don't need to go in, there's at least one day a week I work from home. And when I go into the hospital, I do everything that I need to f- do while physically there. Like if there's something that I need to do on the computer for an extended period of time, I will come home and do it. You know, because I'm not trying to be foolish and I'm not trying to add to the burden. I'm trying to be responsible, but at the same time, I'm trying to be a leader. Every hour I spend away from my team at that hospital, I feel guilty. And I don't know how to mitigate that. And it's the same guilt. It's the same feeling I had when I was getting chemo, when I was getting radiation, when I was recovering from surgery. Like, I don't know how to shake it. You have to know that they already know that you being there puts you at a risk. Like they know that. They don't even want me there. Exactly. They're probably trying to kick you out. And the saddest uh, part is there's such a self-sustaining team at this point. Like they're so highly efficient and there's the leadership like among within the team is so embedded like every single one of them is just a a leader whether it's formal or informal and so it's not that my presence there is strictly arbitrary you know i like to think i make a difference to them but the fact is they don't need me in a way that would justify the guilt i feel when i'm not physically there and also no one, no one is making me feel guilty but me. Right. Logically, I recognize that, but like, I still can't, I still can't get over it. You got to fill your bucket some other way. I know. I know. You got to just, yeah. I need people, I realize. You know what I mean? The, you, well... So I don't necessarily have that kind of personality you where don't. I, no, I don't, don't get me wrong. I, I enjoy those things too. I get it. I, I totally understand. Like you have that personality where you thrive on that and that's, and that makes it hard right now. Yeah. I'm socially greedy. <laughs> Plus no one sees my boobs right now. I had plans. What? I had plans to take these things out on the town. (laughs) Uh, I have outfits people haven't even seen yet. (gasps) I know. I know. The humanity. Oh, Uh, my God. Anyway, guilt. Um, Mm I'm going to fly through these next ones. Loss of interest. Okay. Loss of interest or pleasure in hobbies and activities, decreased energy or fatigue, moving or talking more slowly, which that's an interesting one, feeling restless or having trouble sitting still. You described that earlier, I think. Well, I think that that's really my own fault. Like I am so so neat. I'm just knee deep in projects at work and then I'm at home and I've been house hunting and I'm just cleaning out my house here. And then like, it's just, it's, I finally last week I was like, I've had enough. I've 
I have to stop at least one of the things. So for a long time, I was cleaning out every room in my house and being like, okay, what can I move out of here and, you know, put into storage. And last week I didn't do any of that. Yeah. I was like, I I actually worked in the yard because mm-hmm. gardening, even though it's hot as hell outside, mm-hmm. like being in my yard or gardening, just doing things like that kind of helps me relax and um i feel accomplished you know and for me i guess that's a thing like i i always feel i guess i need to feel accomplished yes. which yes. is totally a problem i have it's no, almost like it's an not addiction a problem. or if it's a problem i have it too <laughs> okay and like the accomplishment can be completely arbitrary mm-hmm. like this I will feel so accomplished when we're done here. I'll be like, yeah, got another episode in. You are, you are nailing it. You know? And I, Uh, I've been in school for two years. And so I was used to like, I mean, it was painful and I hated it and I'm glad it's over. But every time I turned all of my shit in on a Saturday, I would feel accomplished. So that's been taken away. And then mm-hmm. added to that, that's where the guilt comes in. Because it's like, I've I've eliminated that time suck from my life, but I haven't filled that time with anything that I feel like is as meaningful. Like, And then I feel guilty that I haven't. Like, you have all this creative stuff you want to do. You have all this writing you want to do. You know, like all these ideas. And like, what are you doing? Why are you just sitting there? Like, what's wrong with you? Well... You know, mm-hmm. not feeling great about things. That's very valid, though. And it's actually really big that you at least recognize it. And you, I mean, it's pretty clear that you removed something major that you were constantly having to work on. Mm-hmm. And you haven't replaced it with something yet. Yeah. And that can certainly you know, kind of travel downhill for your feelings of accomplishment or a purpose and things like that. So yeah, that's big. Yeah. I think I have a problem that I always have to be busy. And if I'm not busy, then I feel like I'm doing something wrong. So anyway, trying to be better, trying to take naps, but it's like impossible there's so much to do. And you have hot flashes. And I have hot flashes. <laughs> anyway, <Yeah>. difficulty sleeping. <laughs> difficulty sleeping is one of them. But but again, I chalk that up to hot flashes. But here's what's weird. It's, it's like a chicken and the egg situation. Yeah. Am I depressed because I have difficulty sleeping and I wake up early in the morning and I can't go back to sleep? Or are the hot flashes causing the sleep disturbance and then that sleep disturbance is making me depressed. Ooh. I have no idea. I don't either. I'm not a doctor. Why are you not a doctor? (laughs) I'm asking you these questions. I know, darn. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The last one I have here is aches or pains like, headaches, digestive problems, 
without a clear physical cause. I know. Raising my hand. I see but it. But I, I do think that, yeah, I mean, huh. Yeah. Although, if you don't yeah. have digestive problems right now, you're some kind of wonder person because, let me just tell you, I've never been less hungry, like physically hungry in my life, and yet I've gained four pounds. So explain <sighs> that to me. Uh, I don't get it. Well, I mean... I think everybody is, well, not everybody, but a lot of people have taken this quarantine and, and being less active. And those who used to always do social fitness, mm. they may find it hard to, um, you know, transfer over to a non-social fitness environment. I mean, oh my God, it's so hard. You know, it is. And I get that too, because I mean, if you were to tell me like, oh my gosh, Lauren, you're just going to have to work out in your backyard every day. Oh my God. I'd be, like, I'd be like, oh, I don't know. I go back there and I sit on my little couch and I'm like, is this working out? <laughs> I'm sweating. Is, it feels like working out. <laughs> is this the same thing? It's not, oh. is it? It is so hot. I can't, I don't understand but, how you're working out outside. I honestly don't. Like my boxing class that I went to today, mm -hmm. I had, I was outside and I wore a mask. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot of places that, that have, that used to be open that can't be open because their kind of exercise requires people to be really close. That's like every exercise class that I love. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, spin class. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I fucking love a spin class. Can't do it. Mm -hmm. Kickboxing mm -hmm. with the actual like bag that hangs from the ceiling. I had to stop doing it when my platelets dropped because my entire body was a bruise and I was told you can't do that. And I was so excited to get back into it. Now it's closed. Bar class. I know they're still doing it, but I can't bring myself to. And then yoga, which was always full. Can't yeah. Do that. Can't they do yoga outside? Like with. They probably I mean, they do. But, I, but Lauren, I, when I tell you, like, I don't understand how you are working out outside. I mean mm -hmm. it. So of these symptoms. If you have several persistent symptoms, in addition to what is described as a low mood, that may mean major depression. But if you just have a few symptoms, just like a few of them, and a mm -hmm. low mood, that could be something called subsyndromal depression, or SSD. Subsyndromal symptomatic depression, which I guess is like depression light, I guess. <laughs> And here's another thing, too, to be aware of. This happens in nursing school, and they told us this. Like, every time you learn about a new thing, a new disease process, at least one member of your class starts thinking they have it. It's, mm. I don't know mentally what's that, what that is called, but just 
understand that like if you're listening to this and you're like, dear God, I am depressed. I have depression. Maybe, but maybe, you know, everything sounds like depression right now. Like you mentioned, Lauren, like the situation as it stands right now. I mean, one of the hallmarks of depression is that you no longer find enjoyment in things that used to bring you joy. Mm-hmm. Well, when you're not even allowed access to those things, I feel like that can trigger or at least mimic depressive like symptoms. So, yeah. And especially if you're getting treatment for breast cancer, if you're in the midst of chemo or radiation or mastectomy or reconstruction or lumpectomy or what have you, that low energy, that ang- the natural anxiety that's very situationally dependent, all of that can mimic depressive-like symptoms. So all this to say, you have a physician, you have an oncologist more than likely, reach out to them. They should be screening you anyway. Every six months I get screened at my oncologist. They give me this questionnaire and it's kind of silly, but you know, that's your prompt to say, you know what, I have been feeling a little down lately. I have been Mm -hmm. sleeping a lot or having trouble sleeping, or I just know that I don't feel myself. You know, you don't have to articulate it any certain way, but just talk about it. Just talk about it with somebody. Yeah. Yeah. I don't find any shame in it, you know? Mm -mm. No. I've been in therapy for six years and I'm still like, should I mention this? <laughs> and the answer oh is gosh. yes. Yes, you should. Yeah. So. For sure. I think that, um, yeah, that's a very good point that we talk about it. And it's low energy minus the fact if you're already getting chemo right now, because right. that's just, a, that's just a state of life. It just is. At this moment. And it, and it mm-hmm. lasts. I think it lasts. I don't have... And I can point to my hemoglobin levels that are in a normal range, but they're not where they were pre-cancer. And Mm -hmm. again, whether you have low energy because you're depressed or whether you feel depressed because you have low energy from a physical mechanism taking place in your body or because you're suppressing your estrogen And you know that that is something that has given you energy because it does in the past or it it really doesn't, I don't think it really matters how or why it is that you feel the way that you Mm -hmm. do or that I feel the way that I do. I just know I do feel this way. Yeah. And there are a few things that help. Even though when I listed out the things that help, I put, First, I put nothing. Ha, 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 ha. Just kidding, I guess. Uh, I'm going to say what, what like helps for me right now as someone who doesn't really go anywhere or do much of anything except over Zoom. And I try to do everything over Zoom I can. I do therapy over Zoom. I do workouts over Zoom. I do podcasting over Skype. I do happy mm. hours. I arrange, anyway, we'll get into it. So some things that help is for me to bring structure to my week, 
that is mm-hmm. not work. Because right now work is the only like hard and fast structure I have. I'm not making plans with people and things like that. So my husband and I do movie night every Saturday night and we pop popcorn and we trade off who gets to pick the movie and we don't tell each other what the movie's going to be until we put it on. It's, oh, fun. It's really, fun. really fun. So movie night is important to me right now. It's like a big deal. I research. I try to pick like the perfect movie and like there are rules to it. Like it's the person choosing the movie. It can be a movie we've seen before, but the mm-hmm. other person cannot have seen this movie. Oh yeah. Okay. And like you just, I feel like it's implied that you get extra points when the movie is just like, you've never even heard of it. That's what I really Ooh. try. Movie night. And then the other thing we do is pool day. And pool day occurs during the one day a week that I t- work from home. And I'll take a break from work between 11 and 1. Because that's when, like, nobody is at our apartment pool. Yeah. And we'll go down to the apartment pool and just pretend we're on vacation for, like, two hours. Oh, yeah. awesome. So pool day. And then that's, we always order pizza after that. Which is about the nice. only outside food that we eat now. And... We choose a different pizza place each time because we were trying to find an edible pizza in Austin and it's like it doesn't exist. I don't know what you people are doing to pizza in the state of Texas, but I cannot find a good pizza here. So, gauntlet thrown. (laughs) If anyone has any good pizza places that they're hiding from me, please, like, help a sister out and tell me because... I, I can't only get good pizza when I go home to visit Chicago. Like I can't, I, I need pizza. Oh yeah. So need help. Uh, workouts with my sister. I did one this morning. My sister's a personal trainer and she does Saturday morning workouts over zoom. So I've been doing that. Nice. Yes. It's there you go. I know it's, uh, I also use the Nike Nike Training Club app. It's a free app and all the premium content. They decided to make it free forever, which is amazing. And it's a really good app. But again, when you're not working out with other people, it's just so different and very difficult to be motivated for me that way. But my sister does try to keep No, I think that's norm. Yeah. I think that's totally the norm. You have to have somebody like pushing you. Um, not everybody is like wanting to work out on their own in their garage or their backyard or their living room. That's if, if that was the case and everybody would be really fit. Yeah, exactly. And we're not, it's just not easy. No, no, it's, it's not, it's not easy to do. It's incredibly difficult. Um, also alcohol Mm -hmm. helps. I'm just being honest here. Uh, I was like a once a week drinker. I would say most nights I'm having a, at least one glass of wine. Yeah, for sure. Well, you know, uh, you got nowhere to go. You got nowhere to go. Uh, Sephora helps. I can't tell you how therapeutic it is yeah. to fill up a Sephora online cart and just have well, you all saw my these- recent purchase oh yes 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just uh, got me a bottle of Revitalash. Yes. Very excited. <gasps> I'm excited for you. These babies have not grown back really very well since my uh, chemo days. So we'll That's see right. what Revitalash has to say. Exactly. I still use that stuff. I've been using it ever since I stopped chemo. You're going to put that stuff yeah. on every day. And for four weeks, you're going to be like, this is for nothing. This isn't going to work. And then somewhere between week four and six, you're like, oh, holy hell. Am I growing eyelashes? It's magic. I should take a picture before I start. Yes, please. Please take pictures. Okay. Oh, that's just, that's yeah, just good advice for anybody. Like, take a lot of pictures. You know what I thought the other day? We What's need that? we the this whole like pandemic we're living through, I think we've all kind of accepted it as like a normal part of our reality, but 2 years from now with any hope, mm-hmm. it will be so strange to us, and I really yeah. hope that we're all taking enough pictures. Yeah. Because 100 years from now, when they're talking about this, we're going to need those pictures the same way that when we look back on, you know, the pandemic of 1918, the, the Spanish flu, that, mm-hmm. you know, there were pictures of that. Otherwise, it would have yeah. been hard to really conceptualize. So anyway, people, you need to be taking pictures for posterity. You just do. Mm-hmm. And then if you're also going through breast cancer treatment, it's just a plus. You got all those pictures because yeah. let me tell you, you're going to look back and you're going to be like, there's going to be a time a glorious, glorious time in your future when you cannot remember what you looked like bald and you're going to need that picture to remind you. So, and that's going to be a great day for you. Yeah. A glorious damn day for you. Yeah. So. I can't wait for that day. I can't either. (sighs) For everybody. For for everyone. The collective everyone, but then also Mm -hmm. everyone. Uh, work keeps me going because it gives me something to do and I do love it and I love those people this podcast I love it I love you and I Parks love and, you I love you Parks and Recreation on Netflix let me tell you right now I'm sad and the government makes me sad and that show makes me happy and the government on that show makes me happy it's like very very specifically the kind of satire I need right now yeah that's perfect yeah that's pretty good perfect so well i think that we've um confirmed your diagnosis yes i would give i would give you a what was it moderate no a depression light i think is what we're looking at Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um not like the full-blown classic yeah the Mm -hmm. classic presentation but I don't yeah. know, maybe. And it's hey, like the Diet Coke version. Yeah, exactly. Diet <laughs> depression. Less calories? <laughs> nope. Yeah. Oh my. I mean. Uh, okay. Well, this is when breast cancer is boring. Thank you for listening. If you think you might have signs and symptoms of depression, talk to somebody, hopefully a doctor, uh, maybe a nurse, at least a close friend. Mm-hmm. And uh, thank you for listening, and we're all going to yep. be okay.
We are going to be okay. Everything's going to be fine. Mm-hmm. Especially us. Especially us. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Especially you and me. That's what I'm most concerned about. Agreed. Yeah. Anyway. Agreed. Yeah. Thanks. Bye.